Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds. Welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I'm your host, Aaron Sagers, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, currently seen on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Paranormal Caught on Camera. Now, 28 years ago, I believe it was, the so-called lone gunman first appeared on the X-Files, and April 2022 marked the 20th anniversary of their death in the X-Files episode Jump the Shark. Of course, they came back as a drug trip and then our guest came back as a digital version of himself uh, stuck in a in a uh, virtual heaven slash hell. And that man is a guy that I was happy uh, and to meet in Michigan at Michigan Paracon last year and you know, these, these conventions bring people together, even though you might be working in kind of these these orbits around one another, you might not actually get to know a person that you you kind of, everyone knows them, you, everybody know, you just don't really necessarily talk to each other. Well, we were finally able to talk to one another. And even though it was called Michigan Paracon, I swear the whole time we were talking about stand-up comedy because he is a comedian and I... I worked a lot in the comedy world as a reporter and a journalist a long time ago. And he is not only a comedian, he's an actor. He's part of the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast. He's a paranormal host with the Scared and Alone Paranormal Investigation series, which returns July 23rd with new episodes. And he is the man behind Richard Ringo Langley from The X-Files and Lone Gunman. Guys, let me welcome Mr. Dean Hagelin. Yeah, hi, Matty. How are you, man? I'm great. Good to see you, sir. You too. I can't believe it's been almost a year now. I know. Back and forth in this thing, trying to get on the show. Yeah, we've been trying to chat. We have been chatting for a while, but, you know, good things come to those who wait. And, uh, and here we are. We were just chatting kind of behind the scenes, which I love this kind of thing. I, I love the synchronicity of our worlds that, uh, first off, John Tenney, who is is truly like the a true lone gunman, a Robert Stack type of character. He seems to know everyone, and everyone knows him, and it's um and he comes up a lot. But yeah, you guys you guys have become buddies too throughout the the. Did you just meet last year? Yeah, we did, and and then to find out we're practically neighbors now that I just moved to Michigan. Uh, what's it now? Two, three years, three years now that I've been here. I yeah, forget. and so. Uh, so yeah, so technically we have lunch and then we talk stuff and then he uh, performs at the Comedy Castle doing his talk. And so he's been talking about having me and him do a, like a two-man kind of show over in Royal Oak, of all things. I, I love it. A yeah. weird comedy 
uh, stand up. Yeah. Well, I, he says he doesn't really do stand up. He he speaks and it's entertaining, but mm-hmm. to his mind, he's not doing. Hey, mother-in-law, you know, joke bangity bang bang. He's not that guy. Yeah. So, well, I mean, out of curiosity, when you moved to Michigan, were you aware of just how weird of a state it is? Because the it is, the the roots of Michigan weirdness are deep. They are, and I was not aware. I was living in Sydney, Australia, and uh, my better half was working for Roger Penske, so she got promoted to the corporate head office in the automotive industry. Of course, that means you come to the center of the car world, which is here, and so we moved here for her to be at corporate head office, and then suddenly I'm neck deep in weirdness here, yeah. and not just paranormal. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I do love Michigan and or uh, Michigan has become maybe my favorite state of weirdness. And that's saying something me originally from Florida, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, the, you know, there's some great books out there and I know Tenny has spoken a lot about the weirdness of Michigan. I, I dig it. I just feel like I can't yeah. get enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, really cool. I well, let's, it. let's talk. Uh, let's start by talking a little bit about, x-files and lone gunman and langley so i guess the the first question right up front is have you heard anything about more x-files is the is there any chance of it coming back that you've heard of not that i've heard of i mean i read the same interviews that everyone else gives and you know uh jillian then said i'm not going to do any more x-files until there's new writers and you know, I guess that makes sense. Uh, Vince Gilligan's gone on to a huge career with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Frank Spotnitz is over in Europe now uh, working a lot. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, you would want kind of a new team to come in. Um, and so how do you build that and have that ethos and have that uh, same through line in terms of writing quality start up again? Like, you know, it was like lightning in a bottle when they found those four guys and Chris Carter all came together. So that's, that's a huge stumbling block right there. Uh, so yeah, unfortunately the lone gunman series was canceled all too short after 13 episodes, I believe, but yeah. Oh yeah. That's Vince. And Vince Gilligan was the main writer on that. That's one yeah. of his big showbiz regrets that game. Yeah. That's one of his big showbiz regrets. Yeah. 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 He said that on our podcast that, you know, he would he would love to somehow figure out to resurrect that show uh now like in present day yeah so i mean that's interesting because do you feel like yeah i was thinking about this and i almost had some hesitation about saying lone gunman and promotional stuff because obviously it's the name of of the character group and the show right but have you thought about how throughout the years lone gunman I don't know, conspiracy theories. We went from kind of fringy fun and, but it's still not being overly scary or present. And now we're in this era where conspiracy theories, some people are taking them way too seriously, way too real. And they're also, it's, it's poisoning people's minds and spreading very fast. Have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's my responsibility for initiating QAnon and all that sort of thing. And, you know, we did a documentary called The Truth is Out There, where I had a film crew follow me around for a year uh, to all the conventions and around the world as we talked to a lot of these guys. And 
that was 2009, right? So, so what, 15 years, everything that they were predicting, none of it's come true. <laughs> like none of it, except Jordan Maxwell. He's the only one that foresaw a rise in uh, authoritarian fascism across the world. Uh, and he saw that through images like, you know, Abercrombie Fitch uh, advertising and stuff like that. So he put together uh, quite a thing. So, so one guy out of all of these uh, conspiracy theorists uh, sort of nailed it on the head. That well, said, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, a, a journey into finding uh, investigation. Like these were guys who had PhDs and degrees and they were research analysis. And now it's just sort of, you know, I can spend all day on YouTube and suddenly I'm a researcher. Well, that's not quite the same uh, thing, right? So, yeah, the so, Facebook yeah. scientist, the Facebook scientist, the, <laughs> being a Facebook model, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They, for, um, for you, I, something that I always appreciated about the lone gunman was that they were the nerd heroes, sort of like you said, the PhDs, the experts and everything. And it's something that I, I still love about, let's say, Doctor Who or certain there's certain pop culture that speaks to you because it's like, oh, they're one of us. I'm one of them. They're the nerds. Have you, aside from maybe the people that have gone a little too far in the conspiracy realm, talk about how you feel like these characters have impacted people as you move about the world, going to conventions and interacting. What are they saying to you about these characters that have now been, you know, according to canon dead for 20 years what do they say to you about the impact of the lone gunman well yeah particularly langley was a computer nerd and they said you know thank goodness you weren't wearing your hair greased back and the hormone glasses and a pocket protector and your shirt buttoned up uh you know because up till the lone gunman in the x-files that was the portrayal of a computer nerd right that was the nerd look. Every TV show had that. Then we come along. Uh, and from my experience at university, everybody in physical science and computer science and programming were all listening to Skid Row. They all had, you know, uh, massive uh, cool haircuts and stuff like that. So they were all iconoclasts and they were all outside a norm, as it were. And and, you know, some would see that as nerdy, but some would see that as ultra cool, right? How far does the nerd line go before you come back around on the number line to being ultra cool? So that was sort of what I was thinking when I was portraying Langley is like, no, I'm connected to, and you know, the Ramones t-shirt and all that sort of thing. And that was kind of written in, but that sort of uh, escalated till now, every TV show has that, right? I mean, NCIS, they're, you know, all their nerds are cool as heck and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So, so it became the next wave of a uh, trope, as it were. The idea of a, I mean, it reflected sort of my reality of like, I may not have been cool, but being not cool was cool. And I mean, what is cool anymore? I, you know, well, I don't even know what. Say, right. Yeah. Is it the jock winning the touchdown? Was that right. the cool thing? And then, you know, uh, you sitting reading books and being uh, playing D and D was that the cool thing? You know, everybody had their own cool idea. What about you as a, a kid growing up in Canada? Were you? What were you? 
Oh, I was uh, I was an artist that you could see right behind me. This is actually my art studio here. Um, and so I was drawing cartoons. I was painting uh, and then telling jokes, you know, uh, from the get go and into silent film. Like there was no one else I could talk to in high school about my love of silent film, which I still love to this day. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. I didn't do any team sports. The only thing I did was cross country skiing. And then I tried to compete with the, with the 22 hunting rifles. So it was biathlon. You mm -hmm. ski, you know, five kilometers to a target and then you shoot it and then you ski back. And then it's based on how well you hit the target and your time. Yeah. So that's okay. pretty nerdy. That's like, I, I've always, I love that competition just because it's, it's like, training to be a james bond villain it's the skiing <laughs> and then the shooting that's right you know. <laughs> that's the Nordic countries right that was yeah. their snipers on skis do you uh, so you guys returned in in character form in sort of the drug trip i believe in the yeah. season 10 and then you came back in virtual form in 2018 were those returns satisfying coming back as as langley was that a satisfying return or do you still want more uh yeah well you know you want more but uh uh it was satisfying for me because i was living in sydney australia at the time so they had to fly me first class to vancouver and originally for that season 10 one they said okay we're shooting at night and your plane lands at three so we'll just take you from the airport to the set and then once you're done, we'll just take you back to the airport and you just fly back to Sydney. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, yeah, I, you know, I'll be in like 12 different time zones inside of 38 hours. And that's crazy. So so then they spread it out that they shot. Originally, it was going to be on a Friday and then it went to Monday. So I they flew me in for the weekend. Yeah. Their hearts. So, so yeah, <laughs> I know. So that was their original plan, though, was to just get in there, burn you out and get out. So. Uh, but in terms of satisfying, great to see everybody. It was like a high school reunion and yeah, you know, uh, storyline, it, it was, uh, 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 I call it more shaman, uh, a trip of the mind yeah. as opposed to drug trip, but, um, uh, the, to keep us alive in the, in the universe always, you know, we never thought we were part of the universe till like season three anyway we were only just day players uh that just kept coming back you know and if it wasn't for the early use of the internet i i don't know you know we were one of the first um shows that the producers would lurk on news groups and then they would see how popular the lone gunmen were and the and the people were going ah this proves it this proves chris carter and everybody is lurking in our site and sure enough they would take lines from the site and give them to us to say in the show and then the internet would just blow up. And this was the, one of the first um, relationships, that close relationship between fans and producers yeah. uh, that ever existed on television. Yeah, it is crazy as characters that could come in for maybe a one-off to grow into, I think I counted something like 40 episodes. And then that's aside from the this uh, series, the standalone series as well. And then the movie and yeah, that you guys just cemented such a spot in pop culture and in that show. I know it was wild and we didn't have any idea, you know, nobody even said it at the beginning because it was the first season of the X-Files. Nobody was watching it then, uh, except the Ramones. And, and that was, that in itself was hilarious because 
uh, my character wrote, it was written, he's wearing a Ramon shirt, right? And so legal had to contact the Ramones and the Ramones being the Ramones going, nah, wait, wait, we want to watch it first. Make sure it's a good TV show before we say yes. So they watched some episodes and they loved it. Holy smokes. And in fact, they loved it so much. They would play at CBGB on a Friday night first. They would go on first so they could get home to watch the show. And they didn't care. Like, so people would come like at 10 o'clock going, when's the Ramones on? Oh, they were on at seven. <laughs> like what? So uh, towards the end of Joey's life, uh, he got cancer. And um, he said that all the last things he did was just watch Long Gummin episodes and the spinoff. And so it was the, you know, a really close relationship. They flew me out actually to the uh, Bowery Ballroom uh, to do a benefit, a posthumous uh, birthday benefit for Joey, where I introduced uh, a couple songs and I met Johnny was still alive and Marky and, and, um, and Joey's mom and their financial planner, like the whole thing. So it was really, you know, kind of a, a really cool early, uh, never mind symbiotic relationship with your fans, that your fans are the Ramones. And then that relationship forms is incredible, unbelievable. That's, that's pretty great. I didn't actually know that. Was that, was, was that sort of, would that sum up maybe your favorite moment in this character? Or is there, is there another moment that just leaps to mind when you think fondly about the life uh, uh, of these characters? There's so many, but yeah, absolutely. The, there's a monologue of, you know, that I give to, uh, um, um, McHugh, well, I can't think of his name, uh, Squiggy and Lenny, Lenny, uh, from oh, yeah. Mark uh, McKean, Mark McKean. Thank you. I was going to say McGowan, but that's not right. That's Who of course character. played the, the man in black. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So Mark McKean, he, he, uh, I gave that monologue of why, you know, Joey's my hero and stuff like that. And they replayed that at the, um, at the benefit. And so, uh, yeah, that's, you know, one of the great moments, um, there's so many. And then doing the conventions in the in the height of the show, they did a 10-city tour called the X-Files Expo, which had like 25,000 people per convention. And I performed at all of them doing my, my improv stand-up thing. And uh, that, you know, that was like being a, on a rock and roll tour, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think there's... Uh, so many great, there's so many great episodes. Uh, the Vegas episode was so much fun. Uh, uh, you know, how fun it was to work with David and Jillian have such great senses of humor too. There was so much laughter on set. It's hard to believe it when you watch the show that in between all those takes, we're just cracking up all the time. Yeah. It's just as a slight tangent, I was lamenting the loss of CBGBs because I, when I first moved to New York City, I know we kind of compared notes about New York City. When right. I first moved to New York City, CBGBs was still a thing. Right. And and I was fortunate. I didn't, you know, I, I wish I could go back in time and see some of those shows from the the late 70s. But I was fortunate to still see some live music there. But the, just the fact that it, it it goes away and then I think it was replaced I mean, this is a number of years ago, replaced by, I think, an Urban Outfitters or something, which is just I such an, yeah. an ironic statement. Yeah, I know. I know. I go to Soho because I was living in New York in the 90s doing stand up like we talked about. Right. I was hitting all the 
the mm-hmm. cellar and the uh, what was that Boston Comedy Club that was a terrible place and Danger Fields and mm-hmm. uh, Stand Up New York, all those places. And and even uh, the comedy, um, uh, what was that one? The uh, not the cellar, the the one just opened on Twenty Third Street. It was or uh, yeah. I forget yeah, the name know. of it, but because yeah. there's multiple throughout the city, but right? Yeah, this one just opened, and I, I was working there all the time, and uh, and then to go back and then to see it all just like kind of homogenized into like an outdoor mall. <laughs> almost of all your you know all urban outfitters and gaps and all that crap i i know i'm gonna just sound like an angry old man here but i do recall just the moment of like and i was actually a younger guy then like recall the the moment of irony when it did become the urban outfitters and then i think they sold a ramones shirt or they probably sold a cbgb shirt too a vintage a vintage style shirt of the venue that they overtook <laughs> <laughs> the irony the irony, irony. oh yeah. my god so let's talk a little bit about your interest in the paranormal you of course hosted ghost adventures live that was in 2009 i think at the trans allegheny asylum but where did did your interest in the paranormal or your connection to the paranormal as a profession was that simply an outcropping of an extension of the lone gunman or was your interest in the paranormal did that precede the lone gunman in X-Files world. Well, I like ghost stories and that sort of thing, but I never, you know, I didn't even realize this was up in Canada that there was even, you know, professional ghost hunters that go on. It was just everybody had a crazy ghost story or this house is haunted or, oh, don't go over there. And, you know, people have seen things, uh, so on and so forth. But it was with the X-Files that you then get connected, particularly people who connected to the more ghosty episodes that then came out going, Oh, we're professional ghost hunters. Oh, this is that sort of, um, uh, whole subgenre of entertainment out there. And, um, so from that, it was like, Oh, this is fascinating because, you know, uh, not necessarily believing in ghosts, but even just, uh, mathematically there's 11 to 13 other dimensions other than these three to four that we can experience with this uh, meat bag that our consciousness holds, right? So so it makes sense that there would, what we call paranormal at the moment is merely our inability to have devices that can measure or record these other, um, you know, 10 to 12 dimensions that we know exists mathematically, but we have no other way of finding or hearing or seeing it. So that to me was like, oh, this makes an, a logical step in just science basically i and i i agree i also you know i view ghost ghost stories as just i mean storytelling is just powerful and it's a way of keeping history alive and right. and continuing on it, it's 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 a way of like spreading historical and sometimes accuracy and a lot of times inaccuracy but it's a powerful thing right did you cuz you're an architecture nerd as well I am. That's a, that's another, uh, aspect. Uh, yeah, I didn't know there was such a term as architectural nerd. I thought it was just more like, you know, of all the arts that I do, I often paint urban scenes. Uh, that's my sort of urban landscapes. So you get to see what the architect was thinking as you are drawing and painting these buildings. And, uh, and then you start to learn, you know, here 
in Michigan, Albert Kahn is a huge, uh, you know, technically he's from the Bauhaus school of architecture and yet he didn't communicate with anyone in Europe. He just went out and did the very fundamental principles on his own, not realizing that there was a whole movement in Europe about that same thing. So, you know, that kind of thing makes me, I guess, an architectural nerd. And you and you gave tours of the downtown LA theater district. Yes. Right. Um, Architectural yeah, tours. Yeah. Yeah. I was a tour guide when I was living in LA. Um, I kept my place there, but you know, it's so hard to then organize a tour when you're just in town for a week and stuff like that. So yeah, I would give tours of um, basically Broadway still has approximately 11 original vaudeville houses and the architects behind them. And some of them are hidden now, like they have stores where the lobbies were and stuff like that, but some of them are fully restored. Uh, the most recent being the Apple store that opened up at Broadway and 8th. They, they faithfully restored the Tower Theater, which is, you know, built in 1926 by Charles S. Lee, the architect. It had so many uh, cool elements to it. And uh, they faithfully uh, even restored the clock that was destroyed in the 94 Northridge earthquake uh, that took down a lot of buildings in downtown Los Angeles. So, so yeah, I give a tour and talk about all these buildings and their connections and also the, the performers who perform there. You know, Chaplin paid for the Los Angeles theater to be completed. The Marx Brothers uh, did their um, basically workshop night at the opera live on stage and they toured it around America. And so that theater that they worked at is still around. And, uh, and they even had a guy with a stopwatch who would time the laughter in between the lines so that when they edited the film, they would put just, you know, Chico and Harpo standing there silently for the length of time the laugh was. And then they had three different edits because there's three different senses of humor. There's an East Coast, West Coast and Southern. So they had three different prints of the night at the opera so that every line could be heard and the laughter could peel out without over interrupting anything. Amazing craft. And I mean, yeah, I mean like the, first off, I mean, I, I do like it. Um, you have such a sense of uh, history and theater, but also the architecture. How is, how has all of this influenced your appreciation of the paranormal? Well, I mean, this is sort of the other show that I do um, that's going to be coming out. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure when, but it's called uh, This Old Haunted House. And, you know, I spent, uh, what, now three years fixing up this house we bought in Michigan. Behind that uh, door there, I, uh, there, that door there, I uh, built my own steam room from scratch, having to uh, sister Joyce the, the floors, raise the ceiling, the whole nine yards. Um, so, I have uh, building trade experience, shall we say. And, um, and so when uh, I do this old haunted house, it's, and again, there's a group of people who are buying haunted Victorian mansions around the country and renovating them. And at the same time, uh, seeing the spirits that are still there. So a lot of Queen Anne revivals uh, are seem to be uh, the choice haunted architectural style for some reason around the country. Uh, and the idea of the show is how far do you take a renovation before you remove what actually imbues the place with its character and its hauntedness, right? What 
is the ghost haunting the building? If I lift the whole building up and move it 20 feet off the foundation, does the ghost come with it or does he stay in the basement of the foundation that I lifted the house off of, right? So these are kind of like uh, the quandaries that come up in the show, which is basically also about renovation, what it takes to renovate a Victorian mansion. Uh, you can't just go to Home Depot and stick uh, stuff in. A lot of these places are in on the National Register, so they require very specific mortars in the rock, very specific types of wood. Um, and uh, and so uh, this show becomes kind of a, a love of those historic buildings, plus great ghost stories that, that come with it. And a lot of the owners really love the fact that the ghosts are there. They, be, they sort of befriend them yeah. and treat them as you know, respectful guests that they like having around. So that'll be, that's part of the scared and alone universe. That'll be part yeah, of. Scared. Yeah. So, so kind of the same, it's a sister show, uh, but it's going to be on a, a terrestrial television. Uh, this guy has bought, bought up um, the FCC requires every state to have a TV network that you can get through your antenna and not just be cable or streaming. And so, uh, he's now purchasing every one of these stations and they require local programming. And luckily every state has some mansion that is haunted, that has some new owner that is renovating it. So basically we're going state to state talking to these owners and they all sort of know each other. So they're all sort of uh, sharing tips and tricks and, and where do you get uh, you know restored stained glass that doesn't have the lead in it and all that kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fascinating show called This Old Haunted House. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and we'll keep an eye on that. And I know, I and I, I believe some of those episodes will also air on scaredandalone.com. Yeah, I think so, yeah. because there, there is a dovetail to uh, what's going on in the house and that I had already interviewed the owner. Right. Uh, and, and so I know all about the, the history of it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these times, Scared and Alone's a live show, Saturday night, 8 till 10, in the dark, and we send one person, normally it's a uh, Corey Buckley with just her K2 meter and her iPhone alone in a haunted house all night long. And, uh, and then there's a panel and everyone who joins in is seeing it in real time, just like us. They're hearing it in real time, just like us. And they're part of the investigation. And so, because I've seen it in the daylight, I know not to send her down a file of stairs or, you know, don't trip on that curtain rod over in the living room sort of thing. Yeah. Well, last, I think it was last September, maybe last October, I was, I, I took part in one of those, it was on the ghost hunting day or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Name, yeah. Longest, yeah. world's longest ghost hunting. And we joined in on one of those, those talks. And something I found interesting about the scared and alone model is it's this live stream paranormal project, as you said, and you have this panel and you have this investigator in a location, 
but you also interact with viewers, correct? Yeah, yeah. So the chat starts filling up, and a lot of them seem to have uh, empathetic and psychic uh, connections, and they're hearing things. And also, you know, the remarkable thing about this show is uh, these ghosts have an electrical energy to it. And so every one of us, and even people in the chat, start experiencing odd electrical phenomena in their computers, like all my hard drives ejected at once at the top of the show. And then my uh, robot vacuum just started up on its own, like way out of its time zone, just started vacuuming in the, in the middle of a show. Like how, how would that happen? And so now I have a haunted robot vacuum and uh, luckily my hard drives reconnected and they didn't get damaged. But other people have experienced that kind of thing too. So it's so it's you know, it's one thing to watch it in your couch and watch a recorded, you know, ghost adventures that it's edited and oh yeah, that looks scary. But it's another thing to be in your room by yourself with the headphones on, hearing what we're hearing, seeing what we're seeing, and then also, you know, your monitor starts fuzzing out or you get kicked off the internet for some reason. Like all of these things freak everybody out freaks me out it's this it is technically the scariest show i've ever done well you say scary but you have a very tidy ghost that decides to pop in it just doesn't <laughs> yeah sees the mess of this place going i gotta help that guy holy smokes run the like, vacuum you idiot <laughs> i'm not trying to haunt him i'm trying to help him i know i know wouldn't that be nice i would love that spirit to hang around this place the it's so something I, I appreciate about it as well. So you, I remember when I first uh, started doing some of these TV shows, I don't recall if the Ghost Adventures Live did it, but, you know, 15 years ago, they would try to do these live paranormal investigations and they would have a chat room because, of course, we had the Internet at that time, uh, but it was not quite what it is now as far as this live stream feed. Yeah. So there's that element to it. But this show scared and alone also pulls in some of those early MTV fear type of things where you, you kind of get that palpable sense of someone being isolated and freaked out. So that creates a nice vibe. Do, do you feel like scared and alone pulls together all of these elements of what paranormal shows and spooky shows had been trying to do in the past, but maybe yeah. limited. And I, I think we really stumbled on it particularly on that international ghost hunting day. Uh, that's sort of the first time we all came together as a group and sort of like the chemistry was there. Uh, as somebody said, we're like the real live Scooby-Doo team. Like, and I'm apparently shaggy. I don't even really appreciate that, but whatever. Um, and so, so yeah, when, when you have uh, Corey, who we call our ghost bait, by yourself freaking out, and there's nothing you could do to help her, but you also see what she's freaking out at. And, and you hear like noises or footsteps or the door moving or whatever. You are uh, terrified that you can't help her. And you are also terrified because she's so terrified. And half the time she runs to the car as soon as the show's over. When I say goodnight, the next thing you hear on your headphones is her beelining it for the car to get out of that house you know interacting with these people i mean not really coming to this as a paranormal investigator but having been doing work within this genre and interacting with like 
researchers, other investigators and, and everything. Have you developed certain theories about what all of this is? I mean, you mentioned sort of the mathematical probabilities of, of what is going on, but have you developed any theories about why one place might be haunted and another place may not appear to be haunted or whether or not a haunting burns out over a certain amount of time or anything like that? Any theories that you've developed over time working in this, this genre? Uh, well, there seems to be a real uh, emotional connection to the spirit and the building, particularly when you know the history of um, uh, some of the places. For instance, there was a, a house, I think it was the Burn Bray Mansion, that had a uh, uh, elderly couple uh, who were renting in the upstairs uh, room. And uh, when they bought it in 85, the couple uh, were worried that they were going to be kicked out of this place, even though they were paying rent. Um, and the, the new owners, who we talked to, said, no, no, you can stay, thinking, you know, they're elderly, how long is it going to be? And they stayed for another 20 years there and they would play chess in the window and uh, they were from the Ukraine. So we played a uh, Ukrainian ballad in the ghost hunt and then the K2 meter went to the beat of the song and it was like, oh, right, you're you still are in love with this apartment, even though you moved on. So so there seems uh, a lot of what the haunting is has to have an emotional component to it to have that, whatever we call it, electrical uh, dimensional jump happen so that they're either clinging on to what they had or they're still, you know, madly in love with these Victorian Queen Anne mansions that they spent their lives in. So, and, and, or they're angry <laughs> that the new owners are screwing it up with their renovations or they've turned it into some sort of weird, uh, amusement park tour thing, you know, whatever. So, so that to me is the, the theory that there, you know, if you just bought the place 10 years before you died, you may not be haunting it because you aren't that emotionally connected to it. So that to me is like been the biggest, biggest revelation of the show is to see that kind of, um, almost touching really on, on some of it. And, and, uh, you know, there was a place that uh, they thought was on the um, uh, Underground Railway. And the basement was sort of subdivided into all these uh, uh, little rooms. But he said, yeah, there's never been all the paranormal investigations. There's nothing in the basement. And then we went down there and played a um, song that was used. Apparently, it was uh, like a folk song used as a messaging system that it was safe to come out to get onto a boat to go to the next place. And all of a sudden the K2 meter was going off and uh, like these ghosts were in hiding still, uh, waiting for a boat to come down the river to take them to the next station on the Underground Railway. So so even that had like such emotional resonance in the show. So it's not just being scared, it's also connecting to the history and what these individuals went through when they were living there. Well, you're, you're you know, the, the host of scared and alone you're driving this this car quite a bit in your you may be alone in your studio right. but would would dean ever be scared and alone on site would you ever flip the script and you be the one oh, that is alone in the place funny you should ask they want me to come uh and do a couple um 
and then they would like coincide. And you know, uh, I should say I'm I uh, I don't watch horror movies like because they're too scary. Like I will seriously white knuckle it. My girlfriend loves horror movies, but every time we go and see one, she says, "Don't hold my hand because you always break my hand at the slightest jump scare." Like I'm looking at the like oh my god. So uh, yes, they've asked me. Uh, I'm resisting, but there will be an episode, and that one probably will lose its plot because I'll just be <laughs> the first sound. I'll just run out the door. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll have to really mentally gear up before I get in, get into a house. I don't think there's any shame in that. I, hell, <laughs> I was, I was, I was doing this event at the Belvoir winery in Missouri a couple of weeks ago. There was Kansas city or in the Kansas city area. Yeah. And you know the the shtick with these these paranormal events. This was a Strange Escapes event with Amy Bruni from Kindred Spirits, and oh, yeah. And the shtick with that is that you know you do the talks during the day, but at night people do the the ghost hunting, the investigations with the speakers and the celebrities and whatnot. And so you get a a, a new batch of attendees through every hour or so. Well, right. there was a point when I was up there alone and there was some sort of miscommunication so i didn't have a group so i was just up there alone in this this spooky place and i am not easily freaked out i'm not easily spooked and and this is part of the gig part of the job i'm used to being in these locations but man i was up there alone and it felt like the building was coming alive and weird stuff was weird noises were emanating and sure it could just be settling or pieces of old ceiling uh tile or whatever falling down but then there's those other sounds that start coming. you're like all right right yeah okay <laughs> we know <laughs> and you're just like okay how how like where is my level yeah uh, yeah because you know uh i would do comedy on the queen mary during the ghost hunts that dave schrader set up right, right. and because the uh, lower decks and even under the hull where there was all sorts of activity, uh, could only take like maybe a hundred at a time or so and 200 would come. I would entertain the 100 upstairs and then they would swap it out sort of thing. And so one year I'm doing that and I'm like, nah, I don't want to drive all the way back to downtown LA. Why don't I just take a room in the boat? Right. Cause it's converted to a hotel and they give me the lowest deck at the engine room door and that engine room is where that 19 year old kid was crushed and he still can be seen whistling in his overalls uh and so i get into that room and it's so cold and i can't turn up the heat and i turn on the tv and there's a fog between the tv and the bed which is only like eight feet and it's got this old bathroom and then you hear the creaking and you know you're under the water line of the oh and it just one thing, just like that, one thing after another. And then I just got my car and said, with it. and then I drove, drove home and then came back the next day. Oh, it's so embarrassed. I didn't have that luxury with a, the last Queen Mary event I did was in 2019. And I was flying out from New York and I don't know whether it was weather or whatever, but it was supposed to be a fairly early flight so I could get on the board early in the day on a board Queen Mary early and just hang out. But instead, it ended up being such a delay that I didn't get in until it was something like 2 a.m., which was 5 a.m. East Coast time for me. Oh my God. 
and I know I got to be on the next day. I got to be ready to interact with folks and do my do talks and whatnot. So I go check into my room. I'm just ready to pass out. And I slip into my bed and then I'm on, I'm a side sleeper. I was sleeping on my side and I feel next to me the sheet lift and a weight move in, like settle into the bed next to me. No. And I just had to be like, I ain't got time for this. I, I, I need to work tomorrow. It is late. It's 5 so a.m. my time. You didn't even look over your shoulder to see if there was somebody there. I just said out loud, I'm like, you got you got to go. And <laughs> because the thing about looking over your shoulder is you don't know what you're going to see. Well, and yeah. So I, I was just like, and then after I said that, it's uh, there was a beat and then the sheet kind of just settled down and whatever the weight was dissipated. But it's it kind of speaks to the fact that when you do this stuff as a job, there's the job portion of like I'm talking at a haunted location. I'm doing stand-up at a haunted location. But then there's the other half of it where you're just, it's just you in your room, your state room or your hotel room or whatever. You're like, oh, crap, what did I sign up for? <laughs> I know, right? I know. And because I'm, like, uh, terrified at horror movies anyway, like, it just, um, it's it's easier on Scared Alone because it's always, you know, someone else. And, and also, you know, the team I'm with, I'm with David P. Sloan, uh, the um, Richard L. Lillard, the gentleman psychic, where he paints a, a picture of what uh, he's psychically transferring from the, the building itself. And then, um, and then we rotate through uh, different, um, uh, you know, Michelle Lely has her psychic dolls. She has a crazy doll collection. And a lot of these Victorian places apparently get dolls mailed to them. Yeah. Uh, the turn of the century dolls that are often imbued with the, uh, you know, spirit of the grandmother's doll, who it was or whatever. And the owners find it too creepy. So they send it to these houses. So a lot of the time there's those connections as well. And, you know, so I can always, if it gets too terrified for me, throw it to one of our other specialists and uh, see what's going on and just sort of take a moment to to breathe and take a glass of water. I appreciate the this the special, I guess, irony of you having become so well known, being associated with the X-Files, a franchise where there was plenty of creepy episodes mm -hmm. and didn't and now doing a paranormal show called Scared and Alone where, you know, it gets freaky and you being a bit of a, a, a fraidy cat and no judgment. <laughs> Don't judge. Thank you. No judgment. But well, what does scary, what, what are the horror movies that scare you? Are there any from your childhood that are still locked in that brain that freaks you out? Or is there a certain type of monster that especially triggers you? Uh, what is Dean's scare zone? Wow. So, so easy. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. What's the very first scary thing I saw? Um, I mean, terrifying wasn't even, it's surreal. It's called day of the locusts with Donald Sutherland. And that scene at the end where all the red carpet at the Chinese man goes to heck and he jumps on Shirley temple and all of that, that, uh, I saw that as a teenager of all things and just traumatized for months on end. Um, then, uh, uh, silent film, gee whiz, there's a Swedish, uh, uh, um, I guess it's a witch monster movie called uh, uh, Hagen, 
H A G A N, and it's silent, but she's eating live things in the 1920s, where you know they don't do special effects in the 1920s. So it looks like she's actually eating actual live animals from the cauldron and going down her mouth. That uh, set me off on a, a stream of nightmares. Um, Cause I love silent film as a kid. So I'm looking at all these things and here's the, Oh, here's one from Sweden. My dad's from Sweden. Oh, this should be good. No, it is not. It is not. It's scary. It's terrifying. Uh, what else recently a descent. So, okay. I, I wouldn't want to go spelunking at the best of times. So the shots of where they're just crawling out between rocks, you know, 1400 feet below the ground. And then there's weird ass monster creatures in the cave. Like, oh, like every shot was either claustrophobia or uh, jump scares or whatever. I think that's the one where my girlfriend said, don't ever hold my hand. You keep breaking it every other scene. So, so yeah, the list goes on. Uh, I mean, even the one shot here in Detroit, it follows that in itself. Conceptually, you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, gee whiz, oh, and that just, you know, and the, all the Japanese ones, the ring and, uh, I, 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 you know, I don't think I've seen the end of any of these ones. That's the problem. I turn them <laughs> off and back to just like, okay, I'm good. I, I got it. So, which is, is, is unfortunate because you don't get to the catharsis part, the, the downshift, <laughs> the downshift where, you know, it's like, oh, it's just been, you know, the real estate developer all along. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As far as I know, it's just the terrifying ghost. The, oh, I especially love the descent is a, is a great movie and it's, I guess a modern classic now, but I feel like you're just giving fuel to your producers of scared and alone. They can do, they're like, all right, Dean, we want you for scared and alone. The spelunking edition, scared and alone in a cave. In a cave. Oh my gosh. That's connected to a Victorian house somehow, but you have to crawl down. Ugh, I can't you, imagine. Growing up in Manitoba, uh, Manitoba, did yeah. you, were there any urban legends or scary kind of local haunted houses or the old killer lives here? Any lore that was very local to your upbringing that was your 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 local well, boogeyman? Our house, apparently, when I have friends come over to stay over, they said, oh, who was that guy at the foot of the bed or what the... Or somebody put a very funny when you put that pillow over my face to try and suffocate me. I'm like, what? No, I didn't do that. So, so I never experienced it, but all my friends who came over said I was living in a haunted house. So somehow, uh, either, uh, I had some sort of protective shield, but that my friends didn't, but almost to a person, everyone said, oh my gosh. And you know, there was a, uh, 1850s chickering stand upright piano, uh, gorgeous mahogany, and uh, it came with the house. I mean, they they literally put the foundation in, dropped the piano, and then built the house over top of it. So there was no way of removing it, and uh, and everybody said this piano uh, is terrifying. And sometimes, you know, now that I think about it, my brother and my sister played piano, and when I hear it, I always assume they were playing, but now. <laughs> it could have been, uh, you know, in retrospect, thinking about it. Oh, maybe there was ghosts all over the house and I just didn't see it. So that uh, is, you know, perhaps the start of it all, really. The, 
yeah, you were in the, it was your creepy old house at the end of the lane. <laughs> at the end of the lane. It was me all along. See, that's one of the horror stories. I'll, it was me. It ties it back I, to Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, I guess. Totally. Or the others, right? Oh, where oh right. The, yeah, yeah. That was a great movie. Yeah, it sure was. Before I let you go, will you play a silly game with me? Absolutely. What's it called? Okay. There's there's an, an animation for it too, so oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that. Yeah. Here we go. Holy smokes! Fantastic. Wait, the game. Did, did you do that? No, we have people on top of it. Excellent. This is. This is Discover, Debunk, Destroy. Right. So I will give you three options, and you have to choose which one you're going to discover, which one you will debunk, and which one you will destroy, okay? <laughs> As an eliminate, just wipe off the, the paranormal map, okay? Wow. Okay, this is tough. Okay. First first one. This is, a, this is an easy one. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not easy. Discover, Debunk, Destroy. Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, or the Tooth Fairy? Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to uh, discover the, the Santa Claus, debunk uh, the Tooth Fairy, and destroy the Easter Bunny. Okay? Harsh. Harsh, I know. So discovery, Santa Claus, North Pole, very few people get up there. Uh, unexplored. Uh, there's also in the conspiracy world uh, the idea that up there there is still seeds from palm trees that perhaps exist a hole at the North Pole that goes down to another environment below the Earth's surface. Uh, that is a big part of the conspiracy world. And so it is uh, theoretically possible that if that exists, so too could a Santa Claus exist down in there, right? So that's a discovery yet to happen. Uh, debunk the tooth fairy is, uh, uh, I always thought, you know, fairies are very light, so uh, they may exist, but the fact that they have to carry an enamel tooth uh, is a weight differential, plus, you know, the carrying the cash, like a quarter or a dollar, that, that weight differential between a tiny fairy and a heavy enamel tooth and cash uh, that says it can't exist in the same realm. So that's uh, that's the debunk. And the Easter Bunny, uh, you know, Jesus was nailed to a cross and there was no bunny in that story whatsoever. So that's, you get those, those are two different stories. They right. Get that in there, right? I like the thought behind the tooth fairy, especially because with inflation now, they just got to carry more cash. <laughs> I know. And how do they do that? I mean, right. you know, they're not an ATM. How you know it's it's theoretically uh, ridiculous. Even if fairies exist, I'm saying there may be a tooth fairy, but the idea of carrying cash and and picking up all that enamel is outside their weight wing differential potential. All right, no dynamics as I do. You you nailed that one. Here I'm going <laughs> to give you another one. Let's okay. say zombies, vampires, or mummies. As in, as in. Animated mummies. The animated mummies, right. So, uh, destroy zombies, uh, uh, debunk 
uh, mummies and discover vampires. Okay? So reverse order, zombies. Ridiculous. They're dead flesh. We have parasites, worms, crows, hawks. They all eat, uh, you know, dead material. This is how nature works. So even if I had whatever brain power, uh, the rest of my rotting corpse would be reduced to a tiny skull that would just sort of be using my teeth to crawl along the ground. Zombies, ridiculous. 28 days later, even if they run fast, even if it's a medical thing that somehow keeps them alive, if the flesh is rotting, there's a ton of bacteria, animals that'll just eat you up before you ever get to my front door where I have my shotgun. So that's destroyed. Uh, debunk. What did I say? Vampires? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I can debunk either the vampires or the mummies, but uh, I'll say I'm debunking the mummies, is the, I think what I said. Okay. And, and so, uh, yes, when uh, in 1922, they opened up Tutankhamun's tomb, and there was the curse that everybody who opened that up started dying. Uh, nowhere in that curse did it say uh, the, the king is going to open the lid himself and hand the curse to you personally. So uh, I, I think probably the rarefied air of a sealed tomb for two to 4,000 years would make you hallucinate that lids are opening and people are coming up. But, but I don't think, and again, it would be the same thing, right? A mummified body walking around would eventually be eaten by all the same things that eat the zombie. So right there. And discovering vampires, I would love to go to Transylvania. Uh, I think uh, the idea of the, uh, well, the undead, is it the undead? I guess they yeah. are. Yeah. But they're still technically living and they still have weaknesses of garlic and sunlight and all that sort of thing. So, so there is a stage where you, once you put the stake through the heart, they're gone. And then the hawks and the beetles and all the creatures can eat them. So it makes sense that there is somebody in between, not zombie, not mummy, but a vampire that could uh, be alive and not alive at the same time. Like a, 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 almost another evolutionary step. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The evolutionary of the Schrodinger's cat. He's yeah. alive and at the same time in the cough until you open it up. I do like your reasoning for the mummies as far as hand-delivered curses, because I would almost prefer a hand because that means I would just never be home. It's sort of it's being served <laughs> papers, you know, like, it's just like, oh, and the mummy just like, when's this guy showing up? Yeah. Oh, like, he's never here. Oh, my. I've been waiting around for a thousand years. Where is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, I got the papers right here. Yeah. You've been served a curse. <laughs> uh, I will give you one final one. You've been nailing it. I, I feel like you're just, you're killing it. Uh, and and this is, uh, this is somewhat X-Files appropriate, but okay. gray aliens, reptilians, mm. or Nordic aliens. <laughs> okay. Discover Nordic aliens. Uh, debunk uh gray aliens and destroy reptilians okay so uh nordic aliens uh have you been to scandinavia at all uh there is a lot of uh alien culture there uh and i could say that because you know all my cousins live in stockholm and uh and so the idea that uh yeah uh they were transplanted from another planet 
and started uh, eating pickled herring. Pickled herring. Who on earth eats pickled herring except Scandinavia? That makes no sense. Right there, that fact alone is a Nordic alien discovery, uh, uh, a truthism, as it were. Um, then uh, the gray aliens. So uh, that's the, the most common uh, as seen on TV. And uh, you would think that trope came from somewhere. So it is theoretical that of the aliens coming down, it would make sense, particularly if you are from a, a planet farther from the sun, that you would need a bigger head with larger eyes to take in that light. So even that physiologically seems like it could be a thing. And then, uh, but reptilians, here's the problem. Cold-blooded, and uh, they're supposed to be signaling each other uh, across. The reptilians uh, smell with their tongue. So if there's any signaling, it's just, there would be people with their tongues hanging out. And those people are called dogs. So right there. I've seen a lot of open mouth chewers though, <laughs> or mouth oh. breathers. Oh my gosh, I have forgot about that. That's true, right? I so, guess I haven't been traveling as much lately, so yeah. I don't know if that's increased or decreased. So wait, are you you're debunking the reptilians? Are you destroying the gray aliens? Or yeah, I think I just accidentally destroyed the gray aliens and debunked the the reptilians. Even though I, just, I thought I was going to do that reverse, I think this may be a fail on on the final one. I mean, the logic behind it is I like it, even if. We don't know who's surviving out of this trio, but yeah, it's, but you know, I, I do like, I like the logic. Dean, where can people follow you and keep up with you and also listen to the, the chill pack Hollywood hour podcast. Can't oh yeah. That. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that podcast, uh, we talk about uh, celebrity deaths and school closures and whatever the hell else production meetings on the air. Basically um, we are uh, go up every Monday we're at chillpackhollywood.com, spelled C-H-I-L-L-P-A-K, hollywood.com. Um, and uh, uh, wherever you get your fine podcast at, uh, you can see me, uh, Instagram, Dean Haglin, Twitter, D Haglin, Facebook, Dean Haglin, pay, uh, where else do you see me? <laughs> uh, Scared Alone has its own YouTube channel. Just go to Scared Alone on YouTube and subscribe. And then it will give you a warning when we're going live, which will be starting July 23rd. That's right. And so Dean, exciting. Scared and Alone, yes, live stream paranormal investigation where you out there as the viewer get to experience what it's like to be in some of the world's most haunted locations Saturday nights coming back July 23rd on scaredandalone.com, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Dean, I want you to hang out backstage and I will be right back with you. But thank you, my friend. Thank you for joining. This was a lot of fun. It really was. And, Thanks, Aaron. And I'll see you in two seconds. We're going to awesome. talk more, more weirdo stuff backstage. Fantastic. All right. And guys, thank you for joining. Don't forget to subscribe. I can't say it. The thing you have to do is subscribe. Don't forget to do that. And download each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our Talking Strange videos as well at youtube.com slash US. I want to hear from you. I would appreciate it. I like hearing from you. Send some spooky stories. Give me some weirdness. Do that by at Aaron Sagers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, I'm available on Patreon. And you can do uh, contact us at TalkStrangePod on Twitter. Until next time... 
be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird.